All right, we are back for the division round preview with the Sporting Intelligence crew. I'm Ethan Weiss. I'm here with Pat Higgins, and we are joined by a very special guest. We are delighted to have Tom Long of the Steady Picks Network with us. Tom, give a little shout out to the people. Tell them, uh, tell them about yourself. Yeah, thank you very much, and uh, appreciate you guys being here. Appreciate all the the support you give us over on uh, Steady Picks, and. Uh, yeah, I'm one of the co-founders of Steady Picks, and I do a morning show every single morning, Monday to Friday, called uh, Wake Up and Wager. That's the place that most people uh, find me and, and listen to me. And then over on Twitter, at uh, SteadyPicks underscore Tom, we talk a lot of uh, golf. We do a lot of golf modeling and handicapping, uh, women's tennis, and uh, NASCAR is coming down the pipe this year. So a uh, little, little interesting stuff, but appreciate you having me here. We do football as well. You have to do football, really. Have to. Football is king. <laughs> so I appreciate you having me. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, so I got Pat, who, you know, many of the people know is big Eagles fan. Your boys can't sit on the couch this week anymore. And Tom, also an Eagles fan. So real quick, uh, while I'm joined by two Eagles fans, I'll remind everybody about the Cowboys uh, rant that I went on last week. Um, they they beat the Bucks handily. Um it was never really much of a game. There was one moment where Mike Evans almost caught a long touchdown to, to bring it to within a one score game. Uh, but outside of that, you know, it was one of those games where uh, it went exactly how we said it would Pat um, when the media is pushing, you know, this, this storyline of how one team is horrible on natural grass versus turf. Uh, it's probably an indication that their opposition doesn't have many good things going for them. Yeah, we were, we were talking about it after the game. Obviously, um, I, I ignored Dallas's body of work over the general course of the season and focused way too much on the egg that Dak put up against the commanders and my lack of uh, a long um, you know, perspective on how the, the Cowboys have been this season came back to bite me. So uh, it, it is what it is, but you know they got the Niners coming up this week, so that's going to be a much tougher test. Then I was Brady low, and the Bucks. I was low on Tampa all season long. Uh, preseason, we bet uh, on wake up a wager. We bet all under season win totals. You know, galore on Tampa Bay. We had under ten and a half, under nine and a half, under eight and a half. Cashed them all. Uh, so they were not a team I was very high on, and I had a pretty big one of the biggest bets of the season against them last week. And past Tom, week. they won eight games, and it probably should have been five. Yes. That's the scary part. So, yeah, uh, Tommy, terrific season comes to an end. Um, but, you know, enough enough about the past. Moving on to, you know, the division round and, and previewing these uh, next this next weekend of football, which should be absolutely electric, as you alluded to last week, Pat, uh, your favorite weekend of the year. But before we do, I will remind you to check out sporting-intelligence.com and uh, go go check out uh, the matchup analysis and player stats dashboards we have to offer over on our website. They are free for the rest of the season. They will help you in a clear and concise manner see all of the stats that you you know want to see of about the matchup for each offense and defensive uh, matchup in every matchup this week and across the NFL season. Uh, on sporting-intelligence.com, go check it out and uh, give it a sign up there. Also, give us a follow on Twitter at Sport, I-N-T-E-L-L-G-N-C-E. You can find us by searching Sporting Intelligence. 
Uh, we post a lot of great data visualizations and stats leading up to the matchups every every Sunday. So make sure to give us a follow there and you know tweet at us. Let us know what you think of uh, our picks on the show. Let us know. Um, you know, we'd love to get involved in the dialogue that uh, you all have to offer about the matchups that week. So go give us a follow there. And, uh, you know, guys, let's uh, let's dive into the division round here. We'll start with the Jacksonville Jaguars coming off their miraculous win, heading to Arrowhead Stadium to face the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs minus eight and a half over under 52 and a half as it stands now in this one. And, you know, the Jags had to face AFC's top seed coming off of one of, you know, literally the third greatest playoff comeback we have ever seen um, against the Chargers coming back from down 27 to nothing to pull off a miraculous, um, if that word is even doing it justice, 31 to 30 victory. Kansas City obviously will be well rested in this one coming off their bye um, into this rematch of, uh, you know, a week 10 matchup uh, between these two teams that was also played at Arrowhead. Saw the Chiefs win 27 uh, 17 in dominant fashion, um, jumping out to a 20 to nothing lead over the Jaguars, outgaining them 486 to 315. And it was only a late Jags touchdown um, with five minutes left in this one that, that kept this game from being remembered as, as the true blowout that it was. Kansas City enters this one at first in offensive efficiency, and we'll dive more into that one um, in a second. And 26th in defensive efficiency, Jacksonville at both at 19th in both offensive and defensive efficiency. We're going to start out with the Chiefs here, looking to host their fifth straight AFC Championship game. That is an absolutely ridiculous stat there, um, or feat that they are trying to accomplish, I should say. The Chiefs' offense has been the epitome of efficiency, even without Tyree kill this year, who, you know, has proven to be one of the top playmakers in the NFL. And even without him, the chiefs rank first in yards per play, second and third down conversion percentage, second in red zone touchdown percentage. And this is a historically great offense that we have been witnessing from Kansas city this season over the course of, you know, throughout a regular, an entire regular season, there have only been seven offenses since 2010 that have recorded a higher uh, sporting intelligence offensive efficiency metric rating um, in a season. Those seven seasons were two Green Bay Packers teams where Rodgers won the MVP, two Tom Brady Patriots teams where they won the Super Bowl, and then the Drew Brees Saints Super Bowl season and the Peyton Manning Denver Broncos Super Bowl season. Those are the only offenses that have managed to be higher in offensive efficiency than this year's Kansas City Chiefs. For perspective, their uh, offensive efficiency metric this year sits at 1.362. Uh, the 2019 Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs sat at 0.781 in offensive efficiency. So historic stuff we're seeing from the Chiefs offense. The Chiefs defense on the other side um, isn't you know great, but they actually do have their fair share of strength. They are ninth in yards per play allowed, 12th in third down conversion percentage, and their defensive line has been doing well at getting down getting to the quarterback ranking second in sacks per game. They do have their costly downfalls. They are 31st in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. And they're 29th in defensive penalty yards, giving up some costly first downs, which has been just about the only thing that can stop their offense this year, um, which is Mahomes being on the sideline. On the other side of the ball, we got the Jacksonville offense, which under Trevor Lawrence has been pretty efficient moving the ball so far this year, ranking ninth in yards per play and eighth in explosive pass plays. They have struggled at times with red zone touchdown efficiency, 
um, ranking 17th at 54.8%. However, they are trending up over the last three weeks. They are ranked 10th at 62.5%, nearly an 8% gain over the last three weeks. So um, definitely a good sign for the Jaguars offense, whose Achilles heel has been turnovers all year. You saw it in the first half against the Chargers last week. They do rank 30th in turnovers per game. Um, the Jacksonville defense on the other side has been pretty good against the run, but they've really struggled to uh, generate big stops with their lack of pass rush. Uh, fourth in yards per carry allowed. This probably, while it's a strength of the Jacksonville defense, won't matter much against the Kansas City Chiefs, who run the ball at the fourth lowest rate in the NFL. Uh, the Jaguars defense also ranks 29th in third down conversion percentage allowed and 24th in red zone touchdown percentage allowed. Again, this, this side of the ball, the Jags are trending up at the right time here over the last three weeks, they do rank fourth in yards per play allowed and eighth in opponent red zone touchdown percentage allowed. It's going to take a heroic effort here. Another one, I should say for this Jacksonville team uh, to take down the chiefs and Mahomes and this offense that has largely handled business this season. But you know, as last week showed, anything can happen. Um, I'll, I'll go to you first here, Pat. Uh, what are you seeing in this matchup? What, what do you like here um, in this rematch between the chiefs and the Jags? Yeah, I, th- I think there's a lot to break down here, but let's start on the, the Jaguars side of the ball uh, first before we get to the Chiefs. And I think you covered the Chiefs offense and, and, you know, historically framing how dominant they have been on offense. But look back the last two weeks, what the Chiefs have been doing. They rested in week 18, right? And then they had a bye, whereas the last two weeks that the Jags had were they played the, their, you know, Super Bowl basically at home to clinch the AFC South and a, a playoff berth in Trevor Lawrence's second season. And then, you know, they, they followed that game up with an even more dramatic victory in which Trevor Lawrence throws four interceptions in the first half and then, you know, makes an all-time comeback. They went 31-30 to 30 and uh, is as, as historic a collapse for the Chargers as it was a comeback for the Jaguars. So that being said, the Jags are off you know, uh, two back-to-back unbelievable games at home, and now they have to go into the buzzsaw that is Arrowhead in the playoffs against a Chiefs offense that, you know, again, ranks with, you know, among the top seven or eight best offenses over the last 13 seasons. I just don't see how Jacksonville is going to be able to sustain, uh, you know, a a four-quarter effort to stay in this game and, you know, remain competitive. Uh, Ethan, I think you covered a bunch of good stuff, you know, so we don't have to belabor the point of how dominant the, the Chiefs offense is, you know, with Mahomes under center passing the ball. Um, but let's look at the, the Jaguars. And, you know, it, on, on the season in 2022, the Jags ranked 30th in the league in turnovers per game. And what can you not do against a, uh, you know, a high-powered offense like the Chiefs is, is turn the ball over, um, you know, not once, not twice, not three times or four times like they did against the Chargers last week. So with all that being said, I think, you know, a Mahomes passing over prop would be pretty cliche and honestly would be pretty expensive. Uh, But so the way I'm looking to play this game is to, it's a classic six point NFL teaser. Let's take the chiefs from eight and a half down to two and a half, and then we'll get to the next game on Saturday night, but we're going to be taking the Eagles from seven and a half down to one and a half. And we'll get to that when we get to that game. But I just don't see, you know, maybe the Jags can backdoor, uh, you know, eight and a half where the line is right now, but I just don't see any any way that the Jags can go into Arrowhead after the two dramatic weeks that they had over the last two weeks and somehow win, uh, you know, over the Chiefs 
on the road in the divisional round. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I know you mentioned that, you know, Mahomes passing props here might be cliche, but I, I don't see where, you know, how the Jags, Jags defense can stop them. Um, he's been dominant all year. Jags ranking 26th in uh, passing touchdowns allowed on the year. I'm going Mahomes over, it'll be two and a half, probably around even money. Um, passing touchdowns, I'm going Mahomes over his passing yards prop. Uh, he's averaging 308 on the year. This defense ranks 27th in passing yards per game allowed. I expect them to, you know, at home playoffs. Uh, I, they've been game planning for this one. I expect Mahomes to be throwing it early and often and have success doing so. Um, I'm going with, with Mahomes overs here, as cliche as it may be. Um, don't really see a great way for, for the Jags to uh, stop them. Uh, Tom, what do you think here? Yeah, I'm, uh, everything just fantastic breakdown, by the way. Um, Chiefs in my numbers as well historically good uh it's unbelievable what they're doing but what i will say is I, I think i'm a little higher on the jags than than you two uh i i haven't bet them to cover this number but i am a little bit higher for the sole fact that if you start looking at the numbers and you start to weigh in you know the recency right it's a big part of modeling and looking at, at numbers and when you start to weigh in what they've done lately and how that translates historically into being good in the playoffs, uh, when you come in pretty hot as they are, it tends to do pretty well. Uh, and so while I'm not going to recommend a Jags bet here, uh, because that'll just die, die painfully bad, but I, I'm a little higher than you two on them. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know that I'm necessarily so high on the Chiefs against this number. The Chiefs, you know, this whole season have kind of let teams hang around, especially when they've been big favorites. And that's largely due to their defense and, and you know, their their struggles on that side of the ball. Especially the red zone numbers for the Chiefs ranked 31st. Um, that's second to last in the NFL and red zone touchdown percentage allowed on defense. So, you know, if you're able to keep sustained drives against this defense you're you're probably going to be able to score touchdowns um which is why i'm also leaning chiefs in a teaser leg here versus straight up against this number um but like you mentioned that those trending numbers jacksonville over the last three weeks is top 10 in the red zone um on both offense and defense so definitely something to watch for there is the the jags to you know, have some success and score a couple touchdowns that may just keep this game within reach. Um, that being said, you're not going to catch me taking the points here. Um, <laughs> not against, not against Mahomes. Not at Arrowhead. Um, the number was nine uh, when it yeah. opened. Down to eight and a half. I wish I grab. If if a nine shows back up, I'll probably end up with a Jacksonville ticket with you know egg on my face if it if it goes wrong. But you know. You talk about, I have them ranked uh, seventh last three weeks on offense. Seventh. That's incredible for a Jacksonville Jaguars team. You would never expect that. And uh, I don't know, maybe they got something left. But if, if I see a nine again, I'll probably, I'll probably play it. Yeah, yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just a lot of points. Yep. We, we've hit on it all season. I, I'm generally bullish on the Jags. I just think the the situation that they're walking into right now is, you know, like I said, a buzzsaw. It's just two huge wins, and now you got to go play Patrick Mahomes on the road at Arrowhead. 
Eight and a half is a good number to backdoor, though, for sure. Uh, I'm going to use that, and only, I'm, I'm going to use it with the only game I don't have. This oh, is the only yeah. game I don't have to play on, yep. Yeah, I, I'm going to use the teaser leg here with a, a play in the Eagles-Giants Eagles, uh, game as well, but it's not going to be on the Eagles. It's actually going to be on the under there. Um, and, and, you know, what better way to dive into that one now? Um, with uh, our only intra-division matchup of this division round of the playoffs here, the New York Giants heading to Philadelphia to take on both of your Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles minus 7.5, over under 48.5 in this one. The Giants enter this uh, you know, third matchup between these two division rivals, uh, coming off of their first playoff victory since the 2011 Super Bowl. Um, and you know, what was perhaps uh, Danny Dimes' uh, best game of his career, his young career, I should say, thus far, maybe securing his big contract extension next season. While uh, you know, this will be the third matchup between these two teams, technically, we're going to ignore the Week 18 matchup for now in which Davis Webb started for the Giants. It was a meaningless game for the G-Men um, in terms of their playoff seeding. However, they did meet uh, just four weeks prior as well in week 14. That matchup did not go so well for the Giants. Um, that game saw the Eagles win convincingly 48-22 in which they never trailed and they outgained the Giants 437-304, sacked Daniel Jones seven times. That has been a very strong point for this Eagles defense this year. Um, the Eagles enter this one at second in both offensive and defensive efficiency. The Giants at ninth in offensive efficiency, 21st in defensive efficiency. The Eagles will start on that side of the ball. Um, have been one of the most well-rounded teams in the league through, throughout the regular season. Uh, the offense runs and passes uh, with excellent efficiency in both phases of the offense. Um, third in yards per attempt uh, through the air, 12th in yards per carry on the ground, and fourth and third down conversion percentage. There are multiple ways of attacking you. Um, weapons through the air and Hurts uh, and his legs and Sanders, etc., has led to Philly being pretty lethal in the red zone, ranked third in red zone touchdown percentage this season. Uh, the Philadelphia defense on the other side of the ball has been absolutely suffocating in the passing game, uh, but they've had their fair share of struggles against the run. Uh, game script has kind of helped to silence this weakness uh, over the course of the season as the Eagles were the best first half team by point differential this season, going plus 121 in the first half. The next closest team was San Francisco at plus 102 in the first half, so a spectacular uh, first half performance throughout the year for the Eagles. Um, their defense does rank first in yards per attempt allowed passing. They rank first in sacks per game, and they rank just 23rd in yards per carry against the rush. So there's that weakness uh, that I mentioned there. Um, and that might not you know, necessarily be the best recipe against this New York Giants offense, who has a, a style of play that can potentially take advantage of this weakness by the Philly defense if they can avoid a large early deficit. Um, the New York Giants offense with an elite rushing game, and they are elite in the red zone as well, fourth in yards per carry, fifth in rush yards per game for the Giants, and they are sixth in red zone touchdown percentage this season. Despite all the praise for Danny uh, Daniel Jones, they do have a subpar passing game overall, ranking 24th in yards per attempt and 26th in pass yards per game. A lot of this is due to you know, somewhat of an inability to protect Daniel Jones and give him a clean pocket. They do rank 28th in sacks allowed per game, allowing Daniel Jones to get, 
you know, put on the ground at the fifth highest rate in the league. The Giants defense on the other side of, as we've discussed many times here on this show, employs one of the, uh, you know, big, big time Ben don't break mentalities. Uh, they rank 25th in yards per play allowed and 31st in percentage of their opponents drives that reach the red zone. However, uh, you know, they tend not to break. They rank fourth and third down conversion percentage allowed and seventh in opponent red zone touchdown percentage allowed. This should, you know, be a great matchup between two division rivals who know each other very, very well. This is going to be a true test for Brian Dayball and uh, the Giants as they, you know, welcome now or as they go see a healthy Jalen Hurts um, and a really dangerous Eagles team with, uh, you know, their eyes on the Lombardi trophy. Um, I'll start with you, Tom, this time. What, what are you seeing in this one uh, with your uh, Philly Eagles? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, I've been, I'm like the guy that is the Eagles fan, but never has anything good to say about the Eagles. Uh, that's kind of me. And um, when I look at this, man, something about the Eagles really scares me. Yes, they've been very good. I've got them ranked, you know, what's the second in rushing offense? fifth in passing deep uh pass defense 11th against the rush they're a good team the numbers say they're a good team but what scares me is we've seen it time and time again quarterbacks get injured they try to come back from the injury and it just doesn't always work out and that really scares me for the Philadelphia Eagles in this one against the Giants who are playing good football right now they run the ball well they can help control the clock those sort of things they matter. Uh, and so it really scares me. I bet this, I bet Eagles lay in seven on the opener. It's up to seven and a half pretty much everywhere. So I'm holding a seven in pocket. Um, it's a good spot to I be because I don't know that this one's coming back down there. That's exactly why I did it. And, I, you know, part of my philosophy in betting is you look at the openers and take whatever you like. Like take what's going to make sense because if on – Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I want to buy out of that. I can always buy out of my position. But when you see a seven on the Eagles, I knew that wasn't going to stay. And I'd be curious to get your thoughts on this, too. As a side note, the total in this game opened at 45, went all the way up to 48 and a half. You know, I saw 49 earlier. It came back down. But it seems like the over is getting the money here. And I'm not quite sure. It doesn't really come out in my numbers to, to be an overplay, but uh, pretty interesting. Either way, I'm on the Eagles laying seven, but I don't love, I don't love it. And I think the Eagles are actually live to, to maybe get upset here as much as that pains me. Wow. Wow. Pat, I, I see your face there. I, I have a feeling you're <laughs> thinking different thoughts here. <laughs> yeah. I, and again, everyone knows I'm an Eagles fan. And so I was talking to my buddies today and Jess and I made, uh, a comparison that I, I won't make it on this show because I don't want to have egg on my face, but imagine <laughs> the Eagles are a bulldozer and the giants are just a big pile of asphalt. And then the <laughs> Eagles start rolling. It's again, I'm not going to make that, you know, metaphor on the show. I'm just telling you what I was talking about today. Let's be very um, clear. We're not yeah. making that comparison. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. Don't even picture it. But let's be, let's be, again, very, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but let's be very rational about what the Eagles' strengths are and what the Giants' weaknesses are. And the Eagles' strength is running the football. They rank fourth in the league in rushing yards per game and fifth in explosive rushing plays on the season in 2022. 20, and on the other side of the ball, 
The Giants ranked 26th in the league in rushing yards per game allowed and 31st in explosive, uh, you know, rushing plays allowed. Let's look back to week 14 when, you know, both teams were playing at full strength. The Eagles rushed for a net 253 rushing yards. Miles Sanders went for 144 yards and two touchdowns on just 17 carries. Jalen Hurts obviously didn't have a sprained AC joint, but he used his legs, seven carries, 77 yards, and a touchdown. And Boston Scott, giant killer, also scored a touchdown in that one as well as week 18. On the other side of the ball, let's talk about the Giants. The Giants obviously have a bunch of momentum coming into the game. They have the advantage of, you know, coming off a big win, Daniel Jones' first, you know, playoff win, Brian Dable's first win as head coach of the Giants. That's great. But what did, who did they face last week? They faced the Vikings, 32nd ranked secondary that, you know, ranked at the bottom of the league in everything passing yards. And so it's not surprising that Daniel Jones threw for over 300 yards. We predicted that on the show last week. We, we told you that of the last eight quarterbacks to face the Vikings, six outperformed their season average by more than 20%. So that's not surprising, but, you know, to me at all, but let's look at the Eagles body of work on, you know, let's judge them by how they've played the entire season. They're second in defensive efficiency, first in yards per play allowed, fifth in passing yards per game allowed, first in yards per attempt, fifth in explosive passing plays allowed. And most importantly, look at their pass rush. They have the best pass rush in the league, racked up eight or excuse me, 70 sacks in 18 weeks. Um, And the giants on their offensive line ranked 28th in the league in sacks allowed and pass protection. And again, when both these teams were, at full strength playing for something meaningful in week 14. Daniel Jones was stacked seven times and threw for only 170 yards. So that's all, you know, again, let me preface this by saying, you know, I'm, I'm a very, very big Eagles fan, but rationally speaking, the Eagles, you know, are, they excel at everything that uh, the Giants do not excel at defending or attacking on the opposite side of the ball on offense or defense. And so with all that being said, seven and a half, you know, third, third matchup between two interdivisional opponents seven and a half is just obviously not a great number in a postseason you know setting in particular so that's why we're going back to the six point teaser i'm taking the chiefs down to two and a half and eagles down to minus one and a half again not speaking in metaphors just speaking very rationally i just think that the eagles are a very very complete roster and as long as they don't overlook the giants which i don't think that they will they should be able to take care of business in this game. But Pat, doesn't it just scare you? Just as a fan, put all that aside. Doesn't it scare you just a little bit what what Hertz has gone through with the injury and some of the other players? Doesn't that just scare you just ever so slightly? Yeah, yeah but but I don't know. Jalen Jalen Hurts just seems like a, a really really tough guy. And also, I didn't touch on my last point: the the injury angle for the Eagles. You know, obviously they kind of limped into the playoffs. But Lane Johnson, who's like maybe their third or fourth most important player, I'd say it goes like Jalen Hurts, Jason Kelsey, and then your pick of like any of their other all pros. And then Lane Johnson's up there as well. He's back. Hurts, you know, should be healthy. Like that, or that Bears game was now a month ago. So I don't, I've never sprained my AC joint. And if Jalen Hurts needed an AC joint, I would donate mine. But another injury that kind of flies under the radar is CJ Gardner Johnson coming back. They're starting strong safety. He was out for a month. I think he's going to be back. I think it's going to be interesting to see and very telling to see early in the game what, uh, you know, how much Hertz is being utilized in the running game. And if he's not running at all or if he's sliding, you know, uh, two yards in front of other people, um, that's going to be concerning. But no, I, I, I think he's going to be fine. I think he's tough and I think he's going to be equipped to take some hits or he's going to be running out of bounds and uh, avoiding hits. 
All right, so Tom, you mentioned uh, being just a little scared as an Eagles fan. I saw something on Twitter courtesy of uh, Ben Baldwin, the computer cowboy. He, he works for The Athletic. He's you know, a contributor to NFL Fast R, an open source you know, data set. Um, he tweeted something about the closest comparison for some of these, for all of these remaining playoff teams. Uh, you know what the closest comparison is for this year's New York Giants up to this point? I have no idea. That that would be the 2011 New York Giants. You know what happened to the 2011 New York Giants? They won the Super Bowl. Um, so just just you know, <laughs> little food for thought for uh, you scared Eagles fans out there. Um, I don't remember but, the 2011 New York Giants being a pile of asphalt. <laughs> you do have uh, to say the Giants are probably. I mean, the Giants Vikings was. I mean. I was calling it the fraud bowl all week because it's just the two most fraudulent teams in the NFL that probably had no business. We've been the drum for two months. And obviously we're not all right, alone. all right, all right. I'm going to quell these two <laughs> Eagles fans from turning this into a giant slander show. Um, but uh, here, here's why I'm going. I'm pairing this one with, uh, you know, I'm taking your, your teaser leg, Pat, with the Chiefs. Um, we're getting through, you know, our two key numbers, seven and three. And I'm going to pair that here with the under. Um, teased up to 54 and a half, which seems ridiculously high. Obviously, this first matchup went uh, to a total of 70 points. The Eagles put up 48 on their own. I think this one is going to go a little bit different. And the reason why is because of the coaching in this one. And, and I'm going to give a lot of credit to Brian Dayball here. Pat, you laid it out perfectly. On paper, the Eagles are a far better team. They're a far more complete team. So I expect Dayball to come in with a game plan that's going to allow the Giants to hang around in this game. What the Giants can't hang around with the Eagles on is a high-scoring, high-flying, you know, shootout type of matchup. The Giants just can't hang. They don't have the passing attack, and the Eagles are too good defending the pass. Uh, the Eagles are first in yards per attempt allowed against the pass, which is, you know, n that's not how you beat them. So they're going to have to run the ball. But that's also their strength. That is the uh, the Giants' strength. The Eagles' defensive weakness is against the rush. I expect the Giants to be able to run the ball and have success with it. Um, on the other side, though, the Eagles are also a team that has been very good running the ball, and the Giants are also a defense that stink at defending the run. The Giants ranking 30th in yards per carry allowed and 26th in rush yards per game allowed against you know their opponents this season. I expect you know the Giants to run the ball out of necessity. I expect the Eagles to run the ball out of protecting Jalen Hurts and his AC joint that, you know, you so generously offered up, Pat. Um, but I just think that uh, if the Giants want any chance, they're going to have to keep it close. I think we saw Jalen Hurts and this offense struggle a little bit in week 18. Well, you know, I said we were going to ignore it earlier. It's because the Giants weren't playing their guys. You know who was playing their guys was the Philadelphia Eagles, and they scored 22 points. Jalen Hurts did not look like he has all season. You know, he's looked like an MVP candidate all season. Um, you know, he, he's been, you know, insanely efficient, both passing and running the ball. Um, he went in that week 18 matchup 20 for 35 for 229 pass yards um that's very that, that's been very unlike him this season uh he ranks 17th with 
you know, 61% completion percentage, which isn't like amazing, but it's, it's definitely better than he performed in week 18. Um, and out of, you know, maybe protecting him a little bit, I think maybe they turn to the run. Um, and so I, I, I like this game to go under, but I'm going to use it in a teaser leg there instead, just to get a little extra cushion. Yeah, I I don't hate the play. I mean, 52 and a half in in a playoff game is going to be a tough number to get over, particularly when you know you you consider all the points that you laid out. So we will see. You also kind of get the added angle in this of if it does become a blowout and the Eagles take a huge lead. I don't really necessarily see this being a blowout the other way. Um, but if the Eagles get out to a huge lead, you saw this all in the first half of the season where the Eagles would jump out to a huge lead and totally just run the ball, take their foot off the gas, suffocating defense, and just kind of get out of there, you know, 24 to 7 and, and you know, do their job. Um, not saying I necessarily expect that to be the case, but this Eagles team has shown that um, ability to play games like that as well. Uh, but we will move on to the Sunday matchups now, and we'll start with maybe one of the more anticipated matchups ever in the history of the NFL, um, and that would be the Cincinnati Bengals heading to Buffalo to face the Bills. Uh, Buffalo minus 4.5, over under 48.5 as it stands here on Tuesday night. And, you know, I think every football fan has been waiting for for this one now since you know the tragic finish to the previous Monday night football matchup between these two sides. Obviously, goes without saying it's extremely you know good and and um, you know uplifting to see Demar Hamlin out of the hospital and supporting supporting his team from home now. Um, so that's that's a good thing. Um, but this matchup overall has all the makings of of an instant classic um, similar to what we had with Bill's chiefs in the same round last year. These are two of the most well-rounded teams in the league. Um, these are two of just six teams with a top 10 offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency metric rating in the league. Uh, five of those six teams still remain in the playoffs. The only one who does not are the Los Angeles chargers who some may say probably should still be in the playoffs. Anyways, uh, Buffalo enters this one at sixth in offensive efficiency and first in defensive efficiency. Cincinnati comes in at both fourth, fourth in both offensive and defensive efficiency. We'll start with the Buffalo offense. Uh, they've been one of the more efficient offenses in the league all season, ranking second in yards per play, first in third down conversion percentage, and ninth in red zone touchdown percentage. They have been absolutely crippled by turnovers this season. This was on full display last week, and they're somehow nail-biting victory against Skylar Thompson-led uh, Dolphins um, in a game that Bills probably should have won pretty handily. Uh, the Bills do rank 31st in turnovers per game, uh, just slightly behind the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, the Cincinnati defense on the other side has been a defense that struggled to generate a pass rush all season, and that's really caused them to be somewhat vulnerable in the passing game. They rank 29th in sacks per game, um, and, and that's part of the reason they rank 17th in yards per attempt passing allowed. They are, however, elite against the run, and they're elite in the red zone. They rank 6th in yards per carry allowed against the rush and 5th in opponent red zone touchdown percentage allowed. 
On the other side of the ball, the Cincinnati offense has as many weapons in the passing game and in the red zone as anybody in the league, um, which has led them to you know having some great success this season moving the ball through the air. They rank fifth in pass yards per game. Uh, they are eighth in percentage of their drives reaching the red zone, and when they get to the red zone, they're just as lethal, ranking fifth in red zone touchdown percentage, converting uh, red zone trips into touchdowns at a 65% clip. They have struggled to run the ball, um, and they've been, you know, vulnerable against the pass rush at times as well as we've talked about many times with this Cincinnati offensive line uh, they rank 28th in yards per carry and they rank 25th in sacks allowed per game and they you know recently lost their entire right side of their offensive line as well which is definitely something to be concerned about if you are a Cincinnati Bengals fan uh, on the other side they face a Buffalo defense that has very few weaknesses uh, they rank fifth in yards per attempt passing allowed. They rank seventh in yards per carry rushing allowed. Extremely difficult to move the ball against. Um, and then when you get to the red zone against the Bills, it doesn't get any easier. They are the best red zone defense in the league, ranked first, allowing their opponents to score touchdowns in the red zone at just a 44.4% clip. And they also rank second in turnovers forced per game, which has covered up a lot of their turnover issues on offense, being able to even out that turnover margin um, by making dynamic plays on defense. We did get a slight glimpse of what this matchup and what kind of fireworks this matchup can bring in that beginning of that week 17 matchup. This is a game with two sides coming in that are Super Bowl caliber teams. They will surely have many playoff battles throughout you know, the next decade with uh, Allen and Burrow at the helm. And I'm looking forward to this kind of budding rivalry becoming one uh, that delivers time and time again. I'll start with you, Pat. Uh, what do you like and what are you seeing in this, uh, in this matchup here? Yeah, <clears throat> I'm looking at the over 48 or 48 and a half in this game, depending. It, it looks like the consensus number right now is 48 and a half. I know 48 is a key number, but I'm looking to the over here, uh, you know, obviously you touched on Ethan, but we have, you know, the fourth and sixth ranked offenses in the NFL by efficiency going head to head in this game. And um, I, I covered it in the newsletter uh, a few weeks back when these two teams were matching up on Monday night, obviously before the, the DeMar Hamlin, um, you know, injury ended that game, but Burrow went seven for seven on that first drive and, you know, scored a touchdown in, I think under, you know, three minutes of clock time. Uh, the, the Bills went down and kind of sputtered in the red zone, but it looked like that game was about to be a shootout. And I thought this was telling, looking at what Tyler Boyd had to say going into that game. Again, I know this is about a month ago, but he called Buffalo's pass defense kind of basic. He said they don't do too much disguising. It's kind of straightforward. They don't do all the trickery things that we've seen from a lot of defenses. So, you know, maybe that's obviously bulletin board material for the Bills, but I, that kind of gives you a glimpse behind the curtain of what, uh, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins think about this secondary. And then you parlay that with the fact that they caught seven of seven, you know, balls from Joe Burrow on that first drive. And, you know, that kind of holds some water. Um, Buffalo has faced five offenses to rank in the top 10 of our efficiency ratings since week 10. And the over has hit in four of five of those games. So they played against Minnesota, who at the time ranked ninth in the league in offensive efficiency. There was 63 points in that game against Detroit, who was fourth in offensive efficiency. There was 53 in that game against Miami on two separate occasions, who was seventh at the time in offensive efficiency. They scored 62 in the regular season matchup, 65 last week. And then Chicago, which is kind of surprising. 
that Chicago was in the top 10 in offensive efficiency, but they were, there were 62 points scored in that game. So that being said, you know, the, the bills obviously rank number one in our defensive efficiency ratings, but um, that's not the end all be all. And against, you know, highly efficient offenses by our, by our numbers, they've, you know, sort of been uh, cut up a little bit. So I think, you know, the, the over is where I'm going to be looking in this game. Um, you you just look at how reckless Josh Allen was with the ball last week and the turnovers that he created against Miami that gave Miami short fields and, you know, instant points. That's an issue. And, you know, it's only now going to be a week later. Is he going to be reckless with the football? If he is, you know, you give Joe Burrow and that offense a short field that could lead to some quick points. A um, couple more points I have are they, we have two top 10 rushing defenses going head to head. Uh, and the Bengals in particular do not do well running the ball. They rank 29th the league in rushing yards per game. So against a really good rushing defense on the Buffalo side, parlay that with the fact that the you know Bengals don't really do a good job of either committing or you know running efficiently on the offensive side of the ball. It looks like it's going to be a lot of passing from both Burrow and Josh Allen. And my last point, last two points are the weather looks like it's going to be fine. There's not going to be a lot of wind, maybe a little bit of flurries up in Buffalo, but Keep an eye on the wind if you're going to wait until later in the week to, uh, you know, place a you know a, a ticket on either the over or the under. If you want to go with me on the over, I, w- I would love that for all of our listeners. And the last point I'm going to make is that we lost Lyle Collins, who you know I'm I'm talking in plural as if I am a Cincinnati Bengal. I do have Cincinnati to win the AFC at plus 400, so I consider myself part of you know the Bengals organization. But they lost Lyle Collins at right tackle. They lost Alex Kappa. Um, who it, it's questionable if he's going to be playing at right guard. And then they also lost Jonah Williams on the left side of the offensive line to a dislocated kneecap, which sounds really painful, and he's probably not going to be able to play in the game. So that's something to think about as well. But Joe Burrow went to the Super Bowl last year behind a bunch of blocking pylons. So I believe in Joe Burrow, and I believe in the Bengals, and I believe in the over. <laughs> Very well done. Very well done. Um, look, I've got the Bengals big time here. You thought the Cowboys last week was the biggest bet of the season. It's the Bengals here. My numbers, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but my numbers actually have the Bengals favored by a half a point when I run them. I can't believe. So I bet this on the open. Uh, four and a half and plus 180 on the money line. I took a little of both. And I did. I was shocked that this is moving towards the Buffalo Bills. I am shocked. Five. There was even five and a half. So I grabbed then more of it at five and a half at the peak of that, and then I also grabbed more at uh, two to one on the money line. Two to one on the Bengals money line. If you could believe that. Uh, yeah. Crazy. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I've got the Bengals rated higher in every you know every way you look. I've got them favored by half a point. I don't really understand. The bills don't look right. The turnovers are obviously a huge problem. How do you predict, if you could give me one stack, guys, to predict the outcome of a game, all this great stuff we talk about, you give me one stat line to to predict the outcome of a game, it's the turnover differential. Did you win or lose the turnover battle? When you see minus two, minus three, minus four, I can almost guarantee you lost that game. It's very rare that you don't lose when you turn the ball over that much. I'm on the Bengals. I've got I've got AFC tickets four to one. I've got Super Bowl tickets nine to one, nine and a half to one. 
I'm fully loaded up on the on the Bengals as much as he can be. So this will be a big game for me, uh, especially a team that Bengals that I wasn't high on entering the season. In the first half of the season, I was not high on them at all, but they've they've really put it together. Uh, one other note that that I'll add, Pat, is the uh, the over that you made uh, forty eight and a half. That Monday night football game, the total was actually what was it? Hold on, it was fifty. 50 and a half, 50 and a half, 51, which I think is interesting is that there's a a pretty big move for a game that didn't get played. And then it's shifted down pretty substantially. So maybe it's just the playoff thing. That's, that's driven that down a little bit, but I thought that was an interesting, uh, an interesting note considering they didn't play the game and it started like it was going to be a shootout. Yeah. I I was thinking that as well, you know, because again, I I wrote a, a pretty extensive, um, you know, write up in our newsletter on the, you know, why I like that over 50 and a half. Um, I think that had that game played out, it probably would have probably opened at about 50 and a half. I, I think there's a couple things that are influencing it. I think it's the playoff setting and, you know, both offenses maybe being a little bit more conservative uh, while Josh Allen didn't do that last week in, you know, the, the wild card round. But I, I think the offensive line injuries for the Cincinnati Bengals, I think are what are driving you know, the line in favor of the bills and the, the total going lower. But with that being said, I, it, it's a good point you make, Tom. It, it is interesting to look at, you know, basically 28 days ago, what that line was and what it is now. And this is the biggest, this is the biggest discrepancy in my numbers all season long. Like for my numbers to be, you know, five and a half, five, five and a half points off of market is absurd. So maybe I'm in, you know, I'm not naive. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe, you know, I don't calculate every single thing in the numbers I make up, but this is by, I shouldn't say by far, but this is the biggest discrepancy in my numbers versus the market uh, all season long. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think five is a an interesting number. It's not where I expected this number to be. I'm not going to go so far as to say I had Cincinnati favored. That's for sure. Um, but I I just I, I don't have a lean necessarily on either side of this one. Um I think it's a you know, it's too many points for me to lay. Um, but I do have concerns about the Cincinnati offensive line. I've already had concerns about them. They're facing a Buffalo pass rush that ranks 10th in sacks per game, getting home over two and a half times a game, which is, you know, kind of the way to slow down this Bengals offense. They don't run the ball very much they run the ball at the sixth highest rate in the league probably due to the fact that their offensive line is a little bit banged up um you know or i should say they've had problems with that all year now they're a little bit banged up uh i I like the over in this one pat with you as well i'm sticking with you know gonna ride with our model plays here um like you mentioned tom why this number went down after there was two scores on the opening two drives in that monday night football game that we saw from from you know a little bit of we that, that we saw there um, if the Bengals can just protect Burrow a little bit, he's going to have success. You saw it last week against, you know, this this Bills um, this Bills secondary. You can actually move the ball a little bit on the Bills. They rank 16th in percentage of opponents' drives reaching the red zone, um, which you know feels interesting. Uh, but 
you know, they've been great in the red zone. And I think, you know, if there's an offense that's going to score on anybody in the red zone, like I mentioned, it's, it's this Cincinnati Bengals team with the multitude of ways they can attack you with, you know, the speed and quickness of Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd, the size and physicality of T Higgins and, and Hayden Hurst. And then you got Joe Mixon, um, who's a, a tough back to tackle. And you got Samaji Pirine who, you know, pass catching out of the backfield. It gives them a, a multitude of ways to attack you in the red zone. Um, and so I think that that's a, a spot where the Bills have been very good all year, that the Bengals can actually get the better of them. Um, so I, I'm, I'm going to like the over in this one. It's not a great recipe against a Josh Allen, you know, led passing attack to not be able to get home against the quarterback with a secondary giving up the 17th uh, or ranked 17th in yards per attempt allowed just you know just over six and a half yards per attempt if you get six and a half yards every time you throw the ball you're going to be a very successful offense i you know am on the other side of the afc tickets in this one as you guys i've had the bills since the beginning of the season um on a super bowl um prop there so you know really all season they didn't give me much concern um over these past you know five six weeks where the turnovers have spiked you know a lot of those came when Allen was under pressure and he feels like he needs to make a hero play and he panics and he throws the ball away the Bengals, this Bengals team has really struggled to generate pressure and so you know I hope that Allen can kind of figure that out and and deliver a few more touchdowns for the Bills in this one. But I'm sticking with you, Pat, here and our model. I'm going over. Um, this is, you know, this has the potential, I should say, to be one of the best football games of this season, of the past few seasons. I don't know that there's been a more anticipated game over the past few years than this one, just based on all of the circumstance around it from this season. Um, and, you know, the continue to, you know, send our, our uh, thoughts to DeMar Hamlin as he continues to recover. And hopefully, you know, we see him back out there with his guys sooner rather than later. But this one does, you know, have the potential to be an absolute banger here on the division weekend. But we will move on to the final matchup uh, here of the division round of the playoffs. It will be played Sunday night in San Francisco with the Dallas Cowboys heading to Levi Stadium to face the San Francisco 49ers. In this one, San Francisco minus four, over under 46 and a half. And the Cowboys enter off uh, you know, a dominant win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that uh, someone on this show may or may not have predicted last week. Uh, San Francisco entering, having won their last 11 games after blowing the Seahawks out of the water in the second half of their matchup last week. Uh, this is our only matchup of the division round where the two teams have not faced off for a single snap against one another this season, which is very interesting uh, entering the playoffs here. And uh, this is also another matchup between two of our six teams in the NFL who rank top 10 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. San Francisco enters this one at seventh in offensive efficiency, sixth in defensive efficiency. Dallas ranked fifth in both offensive and defensive efficiency. We'll start with the San Francisco offense who have not skipped a beat and possibly even improved under Brock Purdy, although that credit, you know, may be due to the acquisition of one Christian McCaffrey. 
However, they do rank third in yards per play and sixth in third down conversion percentage. They've had some struggles actually in the red zone. They rank 20th in red zone touchdown percentage, which is an interesting stat given all of the weapons that they have um, at their disposal in, in a Kyle Shanahan run offense. On the other side of the ball, the Dallas defense has been staunch against the pass. They've struggled against the run. However, uh, they rank sixth in yards per attempt allowed and fourth in sacks per game um, You know, behind defensive player of the year candidate Michael Parsons. However, they rank 17th in yards per carry allowed and 29th in explosive rush plays allowed, giving up a few more chunk plays in the rush game than Mike McCarthy may like. Going to the other side of the ball here for uh, for Dallas, they're a very well-rounded offense. They rank ninth in yards per attempt passing. They rank ninth in rush yards per game, and they are the best red zone team in the league. They rank first in red zone touchdown percentage, and that was on full display Monday night against Tampa Bay. They were in their bag um, with you know fourth down conversions, uh, quarterback sneaks out on the edge, um, scramble plays with Dak Prescott moving around, finding Dalton Schultz left and right. So that will be an interesting matchup against this uh, very, very demanding San Francisco defense who surely provides one of the tougher tests in the NFL for opposing offenses. They rank fifth in yards per play allowed and first in percentage of their opponent's drives reaching the red zone, not allowing their opponents to get in scoring positions very often. They are eighth in sacks per game led by you know Nick Bosa, who's probably in line for a defensive player of the year award this season. However, if you can move the ball against this team, you might be able to have some success in the red zone. Uh, San Francisco ranked 18th in red zone touchdown percentage, allowing their opponents to uh, score touchdowns at 56.1% of the time that they reach the red zone. Both of these teams dominated their first round games, uh, winning in in pretty easy fashion. Um, per se, uh, but one of their seasons will come to an end here before the NFC Championship game. Only time will tell who that is. Uh, Tom, I'll go to you here first. What do you like in this one? What are you seeing between these two teams? Oh, this is a good game. This is a good game. Um, my numbers come to four and a half for San Francisco. Uh, I bet three and a half on the opener uh, through today. And even right as at the time of this recording, there's a there's a stray three at FanDuel, which I have bet a little bit earlier. Uh, it's minus 118, but there's a three. And uh, look, I got the 49ers ranked number one. My power ratings are number one in the in the NFL. They're good on offense. They're good on defense. There's pretty much nothing they're bad at. They are fantastic. Um, I don't see the Cowboys, who have been weird down the stretch here of, of the season. They've looked really good. They look really bad. I'm not totally convinced on what the Cowboys can do, but 49ers minus three, minus three and a half. That's where I'm going to go. I actually just bet the three a little bit earlier this uh, evening. So I'm all over the 49ers in this one. What do you like in your Pat? Yeah, <clears throat> I share your admiration for the 49ers. I've been beating the drum, you know, like I was beating the drum all year that the Vikings were a fraud. I was beating the drum all year when the Niners started the season like three and four that they're a very good team and they were just going to take some time to figure it out, get healthy. And here we are. The 49ers are one of the five best teams in pro football with the Cowboys coming to town. 
I'm going back to the over in this game, similar to the Bengals-Bills game that we just discussed. This is uh, one of our model plays. Uh, but what we have in this game is a matchup of the fifth and seventh ranked offenses by efficiency, uh, you know, facing off at home. San Fran, the over has hit in six of their last seven games. Trends are, you know, whatever you think of them. Um, but I, I think there's a reason why the over has hit in six of the last seven. And it's because the 49ers offense is averaging 34.1 points per game under Brock Purdy with Brock Purdy under center. And so has the market caught up to how, you know, potent this offense is? with uh, a seventh round, you know, rookie quarterback, it doesn't seem like that, that is the case. Um, and then let's just break down the matchup a little bit. Obviously, you know, Dallas has a great pass rush. They have a great secondary, but their biggest, biggest weakness on defense is their inability to defend the rush at an elite rate that they do, you know, everything else in terms of rushing quarterback and defending the pass. They rank 29th in the league in explosive rushing plays allowed And that just happens to be a significant strength of the 49ers who rank seventh in the league in explosive rushing, you know, plays created with Debo, Elijah Mitchell, and Christian McCaffrey all back and healthy. Uh, Last week, San Fran kind of just, you know, sort of sat on Seattle. They rushed for 181 yards against a bad Seattle rushing defense. And McCaffrey specifically went for nearly 120 yards on just 15 carries. Um, In week 18, you know, when Dak kind of threw up that egg, um, on the on the defensive side of the ball, again, Dallas had every incentive to win that game because it it had an opportunity to improve their you know seating in the NFC. The Commanders rushed for 151 yards on 36 carries with guys named Jared Jared Patterson, Jonathan Williams, and Sam Howell. So 151 yards for the Commanders in Week 15. Um, you know the Jags, who you know turned out to be a pretty good rushing team, went for 192 on 27 carries against the Cowboys. So Again, just talking about what's going to actually happen on the field, I think that San Fran is going to try to exploit that, and uh, I think that's going to lead two points for uh, the 49ers. And on the the other side of the ball, it kind of looks like the Cowboys have sputtered on offense as of late, but Dak just bounced back in a big way and had a huge game going over 300 yards. Four touchdowns against a Bucks defense where I don't think the defense was the problem. I think their offensive line was their biggest weakness all year and their age and the fact that Tom Brady can't really – escape a pass rush but again with all that being said the the Cowboys just put up 31 against uh I would call them a, an above average uh defense in the Bucks on Monday night so I'm looking at the over here again I you know all signs point to it our model likes it I like it when you try to rationalize it it makes sense the only major red flag here is that the Cowboys kicker missed four extra points on Monday night missed field goals and missed extra points are a big enemy of the over but again, there's plenty of firepower on both sides of the ball to get, you know, to get us over the uh, moderate total of 46, 46 and a half. While we're on the topic of missed extra points here from last night, have either of you ever seen anything like that? <laughs> like, I, I just kept watching. I don't know, pro football field. And it, it's crazy because I, I was sitting there thinking like, all right, just, you know, you got to send him back out there. You're going to need your kicker. Like, just get his confidence back up. It, you know, these these extra points are chip shots for these guys. I, and every time he missed another one, it was just like, wh- what is going on? Um, so that was really interesting. Obviously, you know, ESPN butchered the coverage of the fifth extra point, which he did make, um, which was maybe – You know, the only exciting part of that entire game is the Cowboys just dominated them. Um, This is a game for me 
that I am going to kick back, relax, and enjoy what should be an excellent football game um, between two teams that that I you know mentioned before, ranked top ten in both offensive and defensive efficiency over you know the body of work that both these teams have put on display this season has been really fun to watch. I think this is going to be an excellent game. You're going to see a lot of really talented football players on the field at any time, no matter who's on offense, who's on defense. Um, this is going to be a fun one to watch. This is one that betting wise, I'm going to go towards the, the real, you know, nitty gritty in the matchups here. Um, props. I like, I'm going to go more towards the player props here. Um, I'm going to throw it out there again because it's been a, an absolute moneymaker since Elijah Mitchell came back. Give me Christian McCaffrey anytime touchdown. Give me Elijah Mitchell anytime touchdown. Uh, Mitchell scored last week as well, making that three touchdowns in his last two games since he's been back. Uh, Christian McCaffrey has now scored a touchdown in each of his last six games, whether it be rushing or receiving. Uh, it is a weak point of this Dallas defense. They rank 25th in rushing touchdowns allowed on the season. Um, and you you saw the San Francisco 49ers get into you know the red zone last week and and these past two weeks while Mitchell's been there and, and really like to switch it up. Um, Elijah Mitchell was still at plus 260 last week. I expect him to be around the same for an anytime touchdown this week. So I'm gonna ride those two. Um, and then we're gonna go, you know, and exploit really the only weakness on either of these two defenses on paper really um and that's the dallas cowboys uh rushing defense they rank 17th in yards per carry allowed they rank 29th in explosive rush plays allowed uh give me mccaffrey uh longest com longest rush over i mean whatever that is it's probably going to be between you know anywhere from 15 to 17 um, give me that over there. You saw him break one last week for 68 yards. He's got the explosiveness at any given time to just rip one off like that. And I think that against a Dallas defense that really has been vulnerable to chunk plays in the run game this year, uh, I like, you know, Shanahan to get creative here. I like McCaffrey over on his longest rush of the day. I like that. I like that play. There's so much opportunity in props. It's unbelievable if you know where to look and you, you're looking at the right stuff. And that's where I think, you know, just as we're as we're wrapping up, where your tools can become so valuable is finding mismatches in the prop market. And look, beating sides and totals in the NFL is, as I say on the on the show all the time, is borderline impossible. Beating props, very possible. Very, very possible indeed. So uh, just a, a quick shout out to the work you guys are doing. It's fantastic. Tom, you're a natural in uh, transitioning to our close there. Um, and just <laughs> your first time on the show, you reminded listeners to go to sporting-intelligence.com and check out our matchup analysis dashboards, which can uh, help you also identify uh, those matchup you know, inefficiencies on either side. Uh, in those games and, and help you take advantage of the prop market of the matchup itself and in your uh, you know future uh, fantasy and daily fantasy leagues I know there are a lot of you know random pools and whatnot that go on here during playoff time our tools on sporting-intelligence.com are free for the remainder of the playoffs this season as well so go on subscribe and uh, you know get access to our, our great tools there on the website Pat, Tom, thanks so much uh, for joining me. Thank Another you for awesome, you. Uh, you know, weekend of football in line here 
and uh, good luck to your Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, we got we got seven games of uh, NFL football left this season. I might DVR all of them, and if the Eagles don't win, I'm going to delete that one for sure. <laughs> there you go. That's that's a good strategy. Shout out to uh, Jonah Wasserman, also big Eagles fan. Uh, if you're still listening, Jonah, uh, you're in good company here on this show. Uh, thanks again, guys. We'll uh, do it next week.